I'm Shane Norwood, host of the Order and Chaos podcast, and I wanted to do a little something different today. It is 9-11-2020, and I wanted to take this opportunity to just share with you a few memories that I have of 9-11, but more specifically, I want to share with you the experience I had going to New York shortly after the attacks. At the time of the attacks at the World Trade Center, I was a 23-year-old detective with the Port Wenemy Police Department. I remember walking into work that day and everyone was huddled around the TV and I got briefed on the situation and next thing you know, the Navy base that shares a border with uh, the city boundaries of Port Wenemy was calling us, asking us to assist them in shutting the base down. And I recall being out there doing traffic control and turning all these cars around of people that were trying to get to work on the base. And we had no idea what the intentions of our attackers were, what the potential targets might be. It was just a very, well, I don't have to tell you, if you were alive and remember that day, you have your own memories as well. One of my duties, though, with the police department, aside from being a, a detective, was I was also the coordinator for our chaplain program. Myself and my partner and detectives were both co-coordinators. And shortly after the attacks, we had a chaplain meeting. And during the meeting, it got brought up that we should try to go back to New York and see if we can volunteer in some way. And initially, it was a kind of a more of a ridiculous thought than anything else. But then next thing you know, one of our chaplains who had a connection with both Delta Airlines and the Salvation Army was able to get us hooked up with a volunteer spot at the Salva Salvation Army tent next to the World Trade Center and was also able to get a standby tickets on Delta. Our other chaplain had a connection with the Oxnard Fire Department and coordinated with them for a sponsorship, for lack of a better term, for our hotel rooms. And the next thing you know, we're in a car heading down to LAX and hoping to get on a plane to New York because we had standby tickets. We had no idea if we were even going to be able to get on board an aircraft. And when we arrived to the airport, one of the chaplains went up to the counter and to check us in and explain to the to the clerk there what our uh, what the reason for our trip was. And apparently she passed this information on to the captain of the plane that we were hoping to board. And not only did that captain ensure that we got on board that aircraft, he moved some people around for uh, the, the, the most polite, polite way that I can put it is he moved passengers in order to accommodate us and to ensure that we were placed in first class directly behind the cockpit. It was only my second time ever being in an airplane. And here I am in first class at 23 years old, heading to New York to volunteer at Ground Zero. It was the first of many surreal experiences that I would have over the next couple of days. When we landed in New York, we took the subway, checked into our hotel, walked around Manhattan a bit and then went back to the hotel to get some sleep to rest up for the next day when we were 
scheduled to go down to the World Trade Center site to volunteer with the Salvation Army. So we get in the car the next morning. And you think that you're going to be prepared, right? You think that, you know, you've seen the video on loop of the planes hitting the towers. You've seen the, the towers crumble. You've seen the fires and the, and the rescue and recovery efforts underway. You think that you are prepared to see it. And as we got closer and closer, it began to come into view. And you could see, the first thing I remember seeing were these this line of semi-trucks with these big like gravel trailers and they were hauling out huge pieces of concrete and steel. And they were, it was a, you could not count the trucks and they were just flowing out of the site. They were flowing in empty, coming out full by the hundreds. And then we got a little closer and you could see on the other side of a fence they had put up, you could see one of the, what was left of one of the towers. And like I said, you know, I, I saw that very tower in photographs and in videos countless times. And to see it in person, it was, uh, it was absolutely incredible. Anyhow, we get into the uh, Salvation Army tent and. I, I, I'm sure it, every, everything seemed a lot bigger to me considering the circumstances, but this tent was so big that you could literally take every police officer and firefighter based out of Ventura County here in Southern California and put them in that tent and they'd all fit with room to spare. Um, it, it was incredible. So they gave me a broom and a dustpan and that was my job for a few hours. It's just going around and cleaning up, making sure that these rescue workers and OSHA workers and iron workers. And I mean, it takes an army of people to deal with something of this magnitude. And they were all coming to this tent to get fed and to sit down for a bit and to decompress for just a few minutes before they had to get right back after it. And I remember that just being a very rewarding experience. It wasn't glamorous, but it was, it was incredible. And I was happy to be there and I was happy to do what I could to help. So after our shift was over, we started to walk around the, the site, which I, uh, as I mentioned before, it was fenced off, but next to, uh, or on the fence and, and around the area were all these makeshift memorials. There were photographs and messages from loved ones. There were pictures that were drawn by children to their parent who was killed. And it was just a, it was a very powerful thing to see. So as I mentioned before, we were in our police raid jackets and our chaplains had big patches on the back of their jackets that said police chaplain. And we were approached by an NYPD officer. And he says, chaplain, we need you down at the site. And our chaplain says, uh, we're, from, we're from California. I'm not sure that you're looking for us. Um, you know, we don't work for NYPD. He says, it doesn't matter where you're from. We just need a chaplain. We found one of our guys in the rubble. And they load us, loaded us up on a golf cart and took us beyond the fence and down this ramp, for lack of a better term. You know, by this time, 
they had dug this portion of the site out and it was i believe the footprint of the of one of the towers if i recall correctly it was just this huge square that had been cut out in the ground four stories deep and in that area they were there were firefighters still spraying down areas um that there was smoke coming from the areas where they were spraying water. I have no idea how things could still be on fire three months later, but that's what we saw. Um, there were people walking around. Their, their job was to walk around with a biohazard bag and pick up body parts, you know, fingers, pieces of flesh, what have you. I'm assuming for identification purposes. As we got closer to the area where this officer had been located, we saw a group of NYPD officers all gathered around and, and digging in the rubble. And as we got even closer, you could see what they were digging around. And it was the exposed boots, ankles, and part of the leg of each leg of this fallen officer one of their comrades that they were digging out by hand. And it took several hours, but they were eventually able to move concrete and dirt and rebar and who knows what else to get to them. And they'd pass, you know, pieces back to us and we'd chuck it behind us. And, you know, it was, it was incredible. It was I don't even know if there's a word for that. Uh, anyhow, they were eventually able to get him out of the ground. His uniform was surprisingly preserved. I mean, it was, obviously it was dirty, but it was, he was easily identifiable as an NYPD officer. And they placed him on a gurney. They draped him with a flag. And then they asked all law enforcement personnel on site to line up on one side of this ramp that leads out of this area back to ground level. So myself, my colleagues and countless NYPD officers lined up shoulder to shoulder up the, up this ramp. And then on the other side of us, all the firefighters that were working, every single one of them from that site that were present lined up on the other side, they were in the hundreds as well. And our chaplain had the honor of saying a prayer over this fallen officer and a prayer for the officers that recovered his body. And our chaplain led that group of officers as they carried this gurney with the flag draped body of this fallen NYPD officer up this ramp. And as they passed us, we all stood at attention and rendered a salute. I, I don't even know how to tell you what that felt like and looked like. To this day, nothing has matched it in my life. Nothing I have experienced has matched that, what, what my eyes took in that day, in that moment. I want to close with a story that was uh, shared with me by a firefighter that was there at the site. 
he had told me, and I have no reason to disbelieve him, but he had said that he was on the other side of the city when the towers collapsed, but he was en route to the World Trade Center and got there after the collapses. And obviously several hundred, several hundred firefighters lost their lives in the World Trade Center and several of his friends were among those. And he told me that while he's not being paid the entire time, he has not left the site since 9-11. Now we're talking the beginning of December. He had not left the site and had not gone home since. And he told me the reason why is because he cannot go home and sleep in his own bed until every single one of his friends is recovered. And I'm sure there are countless other stories just like that one. But to hear that and to see the look in his eyes, uh, he just... He just, he, he looked, I don't know if it was despair. I don't know if it was exhaustion, if it was sadness, a combination of all of those and probably many, many more emotions, but his expression is, is seared in my mind. And somewhere there's a photograph. I can't find it, but there's a photograph that I took of him and the other firefighters that were on his, his shift or what have you. And I really hope I can find that photograph so I can share it with all of you because you will see the look on, on his face that I cannot describe. I'm going to end it there with that. Take a moment today and just be thankful to live in the greatest country on the face of this planet. Do we have problems? Yeah, we have problems. Do we need to fix some things? Yeah, sure we do. But people desire to come here from all over the world because we offer something that nowhere else in the world can offer, and that's freedom. Take a moment today to set aside differences, to set aside politics, and just be American. And with that, I'm Shane Norwood, host of Order and Chaos. I hope you've enjoyed this special 9-11 episode. We'll talk to you soon.